Are you ready for this morning's message? Amen. It's going to be awesome. Stand with me as we read Matthew 25 this morning. Next week is our last week of the generosity series, and then we're kicking off our Christmas series on November 30th called Christmas at the Movies. It's going to be an amazing time. You don't want to forget. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, everybody say, I'm on the right. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this morning that we would open our eyes to the gift of generosity. Number one, that we would freely receive it, so number two, we can freely go give it. And God, open our eyes to see the need that's all around this area, not just spiritually, not just physically, but in every way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. Lord God, people need a touch from you, and since we're your hands, let us go touch some people with the saving knowledge and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning, and our theme verse that we've been going on, and the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The title of this morning's message is, but, and then dot, 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 but, dot, dot, dot. Today we eliminate all excuses. Come on, give me an amen on that. Today we eliminate all excuses. A lot of times we say, God, I would love to, but dot, dot, dot. And we finish the sentence with whatever we would love to do, but the reason we can't do it. And today as the body of Christ comes together, there must be a time when we say enough is enough. It is now time for God to move in my life. It is now time for God's spirit to touch me like never before. It is now time for me to receive from God because of his grace And there is no but after it. It is your day, it is your moment, it is your time. And I'm big on the issue of you guys receiving something because you can't give something if you haven't received something. And Jesus said this, freely you have received, freely go give. There's a reason burnout happens in the church. We don't, I'm not just talking if you're working in the church, but you just get tired of coming to church. I just do it week after week and nothing changes. It's because you come, but you haven't received when you came. See, God doesn't want us giving out of our own source and supply. He wants us giving out of his kingdom. Amen. Amen? If I give you out of my resources, I'm sorry, you're hurting for certain. (laughs) But if I give you out of kingdom resources, come on, God can do something mighty. And so the purpose of this series of generosity is not to get you to give something. It's to get you to get something. Man, we want you to receive a fresh word from God this morning. We want you to receive a fresh touch from God this morning. We want God to lay, God literally to lay his hands on you, and you receive something from him, so that way you leave here changed, inspired, and filled with the Holy Spirit to go lay your hands on somebody else, or pray for somebody else, or give money to somebody else, or be generous to somebody else. Freely, you got to receive it, so you can freely go give it. But somehow, there always begins to be a but in the whole scenario. And so we must begin to change our attitude and change um, how we receive so we can change how we give. And that's the purpose of this series, that you would receive a gift, and that gift is the gift of generosity. Also, that the spirit of mammon would be broken off your life, and that's your trust in anything other than God himself. Mammon promises what only God can deliver on. Mammon promises security. When you have a big, nice house, God says, I can only deliver security. Amen? 
Mammon promises perfect peace. If I'll just make a little bit more money, my mind will be at ease. God says, I'm the only one who can deliver perfect peace because I am the God of peace. My son is the prince of peace, and peace is how I roll. Come on. Go back to the first of the year and get that message from the free series. Amen? The feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. That's how he rolls. He walks on peace. Jesus wasn't walking on water. He was walking on peace. He walked over the storm. So we want you to receive the things of God and the spirit of mammon be broken off of you. And I love what Winston Churchill says. We make a living by what we do. We make a life by what we give. I don't know about you, but I want my life to count for something. And so I'm ready to give it all away. Everything I got, me, myself included, my life, everything about me. And so we can't, we can't say we know and say we believe if there's not physical evidence to back it up. A lot of us say we know and we say we believe in this thing called generosity, but if we say we know it and we say we believe it, but we don't do it, then we really don't know it and we really don't believe it. I believe in tithing. Do you tithe? No, then you don't believe in tithing. I believe in eating. Do you eat? Heck yeah, I eat all the time. I'm hungry. Listen, it's okay to eat. Healthy people eat. Sick people don't. You got to begin to understand this. It's okay to eat, spiritually or physically. Amen. We're going to prove it next week because we believe in eating. Amen. Food fest. <laughs> we believe in eating. I call it fat week. It's the week of Thanksgiving. Come on. And here's the thing. It's okay to be hungry. And some people are like, well, I just don't want to take so much. Take all you can from the kingdom. Amen. It's without end. Amen. So we must begin to develop the spiritual hunger as we move forward. And our spiritual hunger will cut out the butts in our life. And so we must begin to produce evidence that people see in us that we're going to be generous. And that's what we're doing next Sunday night. Go be generous. Go deliver one, two, ten boxes of Thanksgiving meals for a family. And, and we are working on a project that I can't release fully what it's going to be. But there's a, a lot of people that live not in an apartment but living in a hotel room here in town. And they don't have an oven to cook. And some teachers brought this to my attention and said, Pastor, can we get the box that we wanted to deliver to this family and cook the meal for them and bring it to them because... They don't have a way to cook it. They live in a hotel. Yeah, this is our own city. And so I began to brainstorm and think, and I called the people, myself included, at heading up Be the Service, and I said, this is what our church wants to do. I still got to get approval from the manager of the hotel that we're talking about here, but I may need six of you to cook a turkey because there's more than one kid in this hotel that needs a meal. And we as a church... I want to set up a day where we just go and drop off six Thanksgiving meals up there, fully furnished with all the side dishes where they can come in a buffet style and they can eat and we can feed and we can be generous. And I want a stirring to be done in your spirit that freely you have received. I don't have a choice but to go give. And we truly believe it and we walk in it here at TWBC. And for us to walk in this lifestyle of generosity and freely give and use the gift of generosity we have to deal with this but epidemic and it becomes an epidemic because when one person makes an excuse it influences three people around you i'll give you i'll give you an illustration at the altar call we all see it when one person moves it sparks the urge for two or three others to move that didn't have the faith to move but if the one person sits here and says god i love you and i need to receive from you but i I, i'm just going to stay here today your lack of movement could hinder the movement of other people. And so we must begin to eliminate this epidemic. And I call it an epidemic because the but or the excuse that we have in life becomes contagious. The but or the excuse that we have in life and that we use, the more often we use it, it becomes more contagious. And then complacency sits in. Well, I would go do it, but it's not my job. I would go help out, but nobody else is helping. I would go do this, but I'm the only one who ever does anything. So 
And listen, this is a very serious statement, but you're going to laugh. We all have a butt. Some of you got big butts and some of you got small butts. But you all got a butt. I'm telling you. Some of your excuses are big. Some of your excuses are small. It doesn't matter if they're big or small. You still got a butt. And if you got a butt, you got to get off it. Come on. And we got to deal with this thing called the epidemic of the butt. And we got to get real with it. And we got to look at it. And we got to stare it in the face. See, some of y'all get your minds back on the excuse. And we got to look at it and we got to stare it down and say, You will no longer be my master. You're not going to dictate me anymore. Listen, fear, you are no longer my master. And if you got a fear issue, you got a love issue. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So if you are ever afraid to do something, you're questioning the love of your father, you're not afraid to step out and do it. It's not a fear issue, it's a love issue. And so your butt is bigger than your love for the father and the father's love for you because you haven't received fully his love. You've only received it in a limited portion. So we must begin to deal with this epidemic called the butt that we all struggle with. And so how do you overcome this hindrance? How do you overcome this thing, this epidemic that's plaguing the the Christian community? And the answer is this. You must begin to seek God. Seek him. And I'll say it like this. You become like what you seek after. A more boldly way to put it, you become like what you worship. Whatever you're seeking after, you're worshiping. If you're seeking after making a million dollars, you're worshiping a million dollars. You become like what you worship. And this is why you get the term green with envy. (laughs) Because you're starting to look like your money. Green with envy. You're, You're green. And so we must begin to deal with this thing. And you become like what you seek after. And this is why Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. So everything that mammon promises, God says, seek my kingdom. Because I got all the thing that mammon promises under control. I got this taken care of, but you must seek me, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Because God doesn't want you looking like things, he wants you looking like him. So he wants you seeking his kingdom because where he is, his kingdom is. And I'll phrase it like this. Do you know what Air Force One is? It is not the big plane the president's on. Air Force One is always the plane the president's on. So if it's a prop plane over here, that becomes Air Force One. And it's surrounded by F-16s that are fixing to go protect it with all its worth. Air Force One isn't this giant monstrosity. Air Force One is wherever the the president is at and whatever plane he's in. The kingdom of God is this. It's wherever God is at and wherever God's presence manifests. This is why Jacob, when he was on the other side of the Jordan, said, surely the presence of God was in this place and I didn't know it. So God wants to manifest his presence, but he can't manifest his presence until we seek. And if we're not seeking, we're not going to find him. And so we must begin to seek. And you break this word seek down in the Greek, and it literally means this. To seek after, seek for, aim at, strive after. These are all action words. And if we're going to overcome the but epidemic, it's going to cause us to get off of our excuse. Come on. It's going to cause you to stand up off of your excuse and begin to seek, to begin to strive after, begin to aim for, and begin to have vision and passion and purpose in your life. And watch what God begins to do. Seek is an action word. It's not sitting around and doing nothing. It's actually doing a lot of stuff and watch seeking God in the process and saying, God, I want to be like you because I'm seeking your kingdom and who you are. And when I seek his kingdom and who he is, I become like him. 
And when I become like him, my excuses fade away. My butt goes away. And it begins to not be a hindrance to me anymore. I love what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said it best. Your checkbook is the greatest theological statement ever. It tells you who and what you worship. Your checkbook is the greatest theological document ever. It'll tell you who and what you worship. I love that phrase. Because what you seek after and what you become like, your checkbook tells it all. It's a great theological document. Tells you who you worship and what you worship. What do you spend it all on? Where are you going out? Man, some of you worship pizza in. Come on. You're there three times a week. And if your checkbook's like ours, it looks like Walmart's God. Amen? That's why you got to look at date order. We give him first. Come on. And so we must begin to seek after the kingdom of God. And in this process of seeking, what does that actually look like? What does this actually seem like? Have you ever lost your cell phone? Come on now. If you're like me, okay, I'll say car keys, okay? You ever lost your car keys? Cell phone's more important than me. Because <laughs> if I can't drive somewhere, I can still call somebody. <clears throat> but I remember not too long ago, I lost my cell phone. Oh, Lord Jesus. You would have thought my house had been hit by a tornado. I was seeking my cell phone. I was pulling up cushions. I was yelling at the kids, go find my phone. Sherry, would you call it? I, I can hear it ringing. Where's my phone at? I was lifting up couches. I was looking in cabinets. I was going from the bedroom to the kitchen looking in five places that I already looked just to make sure it didn't pop up there. Come on. Y'all act like y'all ain't ever lost anything before. But when you lose something that you've got to have, you begin to do everything to find it. I mean, I was pulling up beanbags. There's no reason it should have been in my kid's sock drawer, but I was looking. I mean, great day in the morning. It would, it would never be there. I mean, I was looking in the bathroom. I looked in the sink. I looked in the bathtub. Why would my phone be in the bathroom? I don't know, but I was seeking it. And I was going to find it. And I was seeking it with passion. But what if we ever sought after the kingdom like I sought after that cell phone? Where I was flipping cushions off the couch. I was flipping couches upside down. I was telling my kids, go seek with me. I was telling my wife, go call my cell phone. Seek with me. And I was encouraging everybody. I was making everybody in the house seek. <laughs> I was making them seek it. I mean, man, we were tearing that house up. And listen, when daddy doesn't have his cell phone... <laughs> Yeah, it's quiet. That's great. When daddy doesn't have his cell phone, everybody in the family seeks for the cell phone. Because that's what I need. That's what I was passionately seeking after. But what if we move that analogy over a little bit? When he said, seek first the kingdom of God, what does seeking look like to you? Because I'll be honest with you. Seeking is not this right here. Whenever you're ready, God. I'm waiting, God. See, some of us think this is seek. No, the word seek means to seek after, to strive after, to aim at. Man, that's talking about action words on your part. A lot of us say, oh, I'm just seeking the presence of God. No, you're not. You're sitting there doing nothing. Man, get some action in your life. Man, figure out a different way to pray. 
Go find an actual prayer closet. Go make one if you got to. I mean, pray differently. Well, I just pray when I'm driving. Well, change it up and start seeking him a little bit more. And it may help if you do close your eyes. (laughs) Not when you're driving. (laughs) So you can focus and concentrate on him and what you're seeking. See, seeking means to put everything else aside and run after to find it until you find it. Jesus gave parables of this. The the widow who lost her coin. She had nine and she lost a tenth. She said she flipped the whole house upside down, about like Joel and his cell phone, until she found the lost coin. And when she found it, she celebrated like nobody's business. See, a lot of the church hasn't got a reason to celebrate because we haven't been seeking. And if you ain't seeking, you're not going to find what you're looking for. And a lot of us don't even know what we're looking for. That's what I love about this term. Seek means to aim at. Where is your aim? Where is your focus? And if the word sin means this, sin means not that you did wrong. Sin means I missed the mark. Seek means to take aim. So if you're not seeking, you're automatically missing the mark and you're in sin. Come on now. We must begin to seek the kingdom of God and watch God begin to do amazing things in our life. And so from today's society standpoint, success is determined by a person's occupation, associations, the amount of money and material things he or she has. But the biblical definition of success is the presence of God. You're not going to get the presence of God without seeking him. This is why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What is all these things added unto you as he's talking about? It's the, it's the preceding verses from verse 25 up to 32. It, say, it talks about everything that you need. And it says, you're not going to be anxious about anything. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon, even in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Oh, the pagans run after all these things, and your father knows you need them. So seek first his kingdom. Oh, we got to start seeking the kingdom. We got to start seeking him. We got to start passionately pursuing him. Why? Because he's got something for you. He's got something for you. And when you arrive at where you find what you've been seeking after, there's going to be a time in your life that you celebrate. We're going to celebrate next Sunday because the time is arriving, what we've been seeking after for a year. And and I said this on on Wednesday night, and I want to repeat it because I've sold you guys short in the vision this year. I've sold you short in the vision this year because I've always said this. We're believing that God's going to pay off this building and he's going to pay it off physically and it's going to be a sign of what he can do in your life spiritually. And I need to ask for your forgiveness because it's not just a sign of what he can do in your life spiritually. It's a sign of what he can do in your life spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, financially, in your marriage, in every area. It's not just a spiritual thing. He wants to do it all across the board. And forgive me for selling you short in vision. But now I'm giving you something to aim after today. As God sets us free, watch what he can do in your life. He can set you free, spiritually and physically, every way, shape, and form. Seek God in your generosity. The same sense, the same sense of urgency of seeking for that lost cell phone, we must seek God in our generosity. The easiest way to seek God is to do it in in, in your money, in your finances, in your generosity. That's the easiest way to seek God. Some of you are thinking, that is the most backward things I've ever heard. It's easiest to seek God in your money because you're not emotionally attached to it. 
Well, you shouldn't be. Because it's not yours anyway, remember? Remember last week, Ronnie came up and gave me a $100 bill. Why did he give me the $100 bill? Because it was mine. I gave it to him before church. See, it's easiest to give to God when you realize it's not yours in the first place. But here's the thing. When you seek God in your generosity financially, I say it's the easiest way because he hadn't even asked you to give your life yet. He hadn't asked you to sell all you got yet. He hadn't asked you to put your own life on the line. He just said, the first 10%, bring it back to me. Seeking God in your generosity or your contributions is the easiest way to seek God. It really is. And we miss the mark many times. We miss the aim many times because we think that it's hard. But here's the deal with this. Tithing reveals where we place our trust and what we place our trust in and who we worship. Tithing reveals where we place our trust, what we place our trust in, and what we worship. It reveals it. And in this message, I, 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 love, I, I love how uh, uh, I heard a pastor say, you can't give God a tithe because you can't give him what's his. You can only bring him back what's his. So you bring him the tithe, you give him an offering. You bring him what's his and you give him what's yours. And so when you begin to give him and give unto him in generosity, that is the easiest form of worship. It's the easiest form of generosity. The easiest way to seek God is to seek him with your generosity. Or to seek him when you begin to give God or bring back God his tithes and your offerings. Why? Because it's just the first stepping stone. The first stepping stone in the whole process. And God says, if you'll be faithful to me and bring back what's mine and, and bring your offering to me, look what I can do. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your field, the, the vines of your field will not cast their fruit. And he goes down a list of things. And you're wondering why in your life you're missing so much of God and it seems like the bad things happen. Keep one right after the other, right after the other, right after the other. It's because you haven't been seeking him in the easiest way to seek him. And God says, when you seek me in this way, I'll just begin to put an umbrella over you. And begin to work on something in your life. Tithing truly shows what we worship and what we do. And the word tithe literally means this. It means to give a tenth. But here's the biggest thing about the word tithe. Tithe isn't the most important part. God didn't just say, I want a tenth. He said, I want the first tenth. <laughs> There's a big difference. See, he didn't just say, give me 10%. He said, Give me the first tenth. Don't just give me what you got. Give me the first of what you got. Don't just give me a little bit here and there. Give me the first of what you got. And now I want to go back to our illustration of seeking God like I sought for this cell phone. How many of you give your first tenth like you were seeking this cell phone? You would break down the doors to give your tithe to give your first tenth. You would jump over these chairs. You would literally step up here and say, I'm getting to the offering plate. I'm getting there. There's nothing stopping me. I'm going over the edge. I'm being crazy because I'm going to give God my generosity. I'm going to give it to him first. Amen. I'm seeking him with everything. I got. God, it's yours. I got to get it to you. Amen. I got to make sure you get it. I got to make sure you have it. I'm seeking him. And the easiest way to seek him is in your generosity. It's the easiest way to do it. Because he hadn't said, Brandon, 
give me your daughter. He said, give me the first tenth. He hadn't said, Brandon, give me your career. Quit. I know you got kids to supply for, but quit and go around the world and do what I'm telling you to do. He hadn't asked. He just said, can you bring me my first tenth? Can you bring me my first tenth? And Miss Carol, the easiest, the easiest way to seek God is in our generosity. And it's in the first tenth. And it's bringing it back to him and saying, God, it's not just a, it's not just a cavalier giving that I give. It's a passion that I have because I want to give. I want to pour it out. I want to make sure you know that you're first in my life. I want him to know he's first. And here's the kicker to the whole message. God doesn't tell us to give because he needs our money. He asks us to give and bring back to him because it demonstrates our trust in him. God don't want you. Money's irrelevant. In the Old Testament, they didn't bring in Benjamins and $100 bills. They brought them wheat. They brought them th stuff from the threshing floor. They brought them things from the wine press. They brought them sheep and goats and heifers and rams and everything else. So the whole issue, the concept, the American culture of money, I got to give God my money. It's never been about money. Bringing him what's first demonstrates, God, I trust you with everything so much that I'm giving you first. And I'm giving you extra from what you asked for. See, in this heart thing, this seeking of God, we must begin to ask God to move in our life in such a way that it makes a place in our life that I like to call the God space. Here's what the God space is. You're at your end here. And you give him first. And you step over the line into the unknown. Where it's all on him. You gave it here. And you got to celebrate like last week. But you hadn't seen how it's going to end up over here. And so you're in this unknown land called the God space. Where God says, I get to show up. And not just show up, but if you'll continue to trust me and not run back from me. Let me inhabit this God space with you. See, the God space is where miracles occur. The God space is where God gets to show up because it's called God space, not Joel's faith space. It's called the God space because I gave it. I hadn't seen the outcome of it yet, but I'm stepping in here to this God space where the God who can do abundantly above and beyond anything I can ever ask, think, or imagine gets to show up right here before it manifests. And after I give it, this is the God space. It's the most exhilarating place you'll ever be. It's called the God space. It's when you sign up for that mission trip. Come on. It's when you sign up for that mission trip and you don't know how you're going to raise the funds to pay for it, but God's calling you to go. You done stepped out and signed up and you hadn't seen the money come in yet to get you there. Got them in the God space where you get to show up and be the God of the Bible who divides Red Seas, whose son walks on water, who you raised him from the dead. That same power lives in me. This is the God space where I want to live and reside. It's the God space. And here's the thing about the God space. You trust him. See, God's not saying, I want all your money, Johnny. God's saying, Johnny, step into the God space. Because when you step into the God space, he's a good, good father. And he wants to reveal his goodness as a good, good father. And here, here's what we all battle with.
bringing it full circle to your butt. But, Pastor, I remember one time when I tithed. You gave God one time, that's it. I mean, you give your kid 50 million chances. You give the God of all creation one time, and because a bad thing happened when you gave him one time, you, did you even allow him to come fill the God space, much less do his miracle in it? But, Pastor, I've heard so many messed up teachings about giving and prosperity, and all. I don't even know what to believe. Believe his word. Believe the Bible. You've got a brain between them two years. Ears, think for yourself. Trust him for yourself. And this is where when we come to the point here where we say, I'm dealing with fear, and I'm signing my name on the line, and I'm stepping into the God space, you've got to get rid of all excuses to cross that line. Because when you cross that line, there's no going back. And I wouldn't go back if there was a million dollars waiting there. I wouldn't turn because the God space. Oh, what happens in the God space? You who got the gift of healing, but you prayed for people before, and you hadn't seen them miraculously healed, so you hadn't been using your gift lately, I'm going to challenge you to cross the line and step into the God space. Go lay your hands on anybody and everybody you can lay your hands on. Those of you who have trusted God in the past with your marriage and it seemed like he didn't show up and you're just saying, God, this marriage is still a wreck. Man, I want you to take another step across the line and say, I'm not just stepping into the God space. I'm remaining in the God space until my miracle happens. I'm not going back, God. See, it gets real right now. I can preach the previous six messages on great, being generous, and everybody can clap and shout, but when you got to get off your excuse... Get off your butt. And we all got them. Hey, I got them. I got them. I deal with about one, two, three, four, five, six. I deal with 12 butts every Sunday morning. 12 of them. It's from here to there. 12 of them. But God, I'm not worthy. But God, I messed up this week. But God, I'm not sure I'm ready. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God, God space. God space. Because once I'm up here, I'm not going to go sit back down and say, you know, I'm just really not feeling like it this morning. <laughs> right? I can't do that. So I deal with 12 butts. And then I get to the God space. And when you're in the God space, you get to see my Y vein, you get to see me sweat, you see all this crazy stuff. Can we deal with some butts this morning? What's holding you back? Not, not from giving at free day, not from, not from joining the church, no, really deep down what's holding you back. Because this whole thing about money, about generosity, it's all, it's all a thing about trust. It's all a thing about trust. And listen, I've been hurt in my life. I mean, I've been hurt deeply. But you know what? Every time I forgive, and man, I I don't know if I'll get to it. There's a great message on forgiveness in this series. But I don't know if I'll I'll be able to get to it by next service. (laughs) But when, when I'm hurt and I step across into the God space and say, I forgive. 
I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've been there. And I'm just like, but God, I'm going to God's space. I forgive. But they don't deserve it. That can't be an excuse. I didn't deserve it. I got forgiven. But God, you don't know what they did. I didn't fully see what they saw due to Jesus either. It's not an excuse. But God, I'm afraid. Good, now you're at a real issue. Now you can deal with something. But God, I'm afraid. And here's how God will answer fear. Let me show you my love. Let me show you how much I love you. That's why right now in my heart that, that song, Good, Good Father, it resonates with me over the past three or four months. It's because he's been revealing his goodness to me. Not, not, not physically in financial ways and things like that. He's re- in my quiet time when an hour and 30 minutes isn't enough in the mornings. It's because he's good. And I don't want to leave. And I'll just, there'll be times at my, at my table, at my kitchen table with my coffee, and I'll just, be, I'll just start crying. And I don't cry. I mean, that's just weird. I mean, and I'll start crying. And I'll say, God, what's that? He's like, you can't handle all my goodness. <laughs> you can't handle it all. And I say, well, God, open me up. Bring me to a God space where I can handle more because if this is what it is, I want all of it I can get. And this is what he said to me. It's going to open you up to be vulnerable if it costs me everything to experience your goodness. So let it be. And three or four months ago when I crossed that line into that God space, it's never been the same. Never been the same. Oh, I'm, I'm still nervous. I get nervous just telling you about it. But his goodness is so overwhelming. This morning, this morning, the heart of God is expressed best in generosity. And God wants to give to you this morning. He wants to give to you. He wants to pour his love out upon you. Mitch, come on. Ministers, y'all come and pray. He wants to give you and pour his love out on you. And y'all look at me just for a minute. I want you to deal with the God space this morning. And, and, and I mean really deal with it. Because I get told this and it grieves my heart more than anything. I get told this... Uh, Heath, and I know we've had this conversation. I had so many people who have told me there's a call of God on my life at one point. (laughs) But I didn't step into the God space. God hasn't erased that space. That God space is still there. And God's saying, will you deal with your butt? Will you deal with your excuse and come into this God space? Come into it. I love our church because our church is a ministry to those who are hurt and broken and have had church hurt and have had bad experiences. And you know the only way you replace a bad experience? It's not with more knowledge and not more reading and not more studying. It's with a new experience. 